Amen. Thank you, Travis. Hey, can we, can we put the uh, slide back up with the cities, the, the church plants? So let, let me just point out a few things that are super exciting. Do you see down here on the bottom left of the column, it says uh, two places in Russia. I don't know the first one, but Novosibirsk, I do know that one. I know how to say that. Russia is a new country for us to be planting churches in. That means that we have a new movement leader who is passionate about multiplying churches throughout Russia. That's super exciting. That happened because you've given to support Good News Church and we've invested 13%. Do you see up here it says Chile? Several years ago, we started a work in Chile in a little town called Maipu. I say it's little. I don't know if it's little or not. But now there's two more churches in Chile that we have the opportunity to partner with. And then Brazil and Manipur State, India, we have such a long-term partnership there. So it's great to see the work of the gospel continuing in those places. And then the church that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And so to see two churches in partnership with the Florida Church Planning Network, which is a ministry of our denomination, started in Kissimmee and Winter Springs, our God is on the move. And I'm so thankful for Travis, and I'm so thankful for your generosity and the investment we're able to make in church planting around the world. How's it going to keep going? How are we going to have the kind of enthusiasm for the gospel and for the lost that our hearts would be so captured by Jesus Christ that we would just want to give generously? How could that possibly happen? What I want you to know is that in every one of those cities, a rescue story is happening. Don't you love rescue stories? You remember in 2018, there was a soccer team in, in Thailand that got trapped in a, in a cave. Twelve players, along with their coach, they were in that cave for 18 days. Monsoon season, no hope of escape. And some men dove through those flooded tunnels of that cave, and they brought those, dive, those soccer players out one at a time one at a time, through the passageway. They sedated them. They were powerless. They could do nothing except be carried through the cave tunnels to safety. Or do you remember back in 1987? Or, I'm sorry, night, yeah, 1987. Could it possibly be that long ago? Baby Jessica, Midland, Texas. 18-month-old baby fell down a well in her aunt's backyard. Baby Jessica, for uh, was in that for 56 hours before she was rescued. Or the Chilean miners, um, the Chilean miners in 2010, 33 Chilean miners were trapped for 69 days until they were rescued, taken up through a 21-inch wide elevator tube to escape one at a time I when I think about baby Jessica in an eight inch tube when I think about those Chilean miners escaping through a 21 inch tube it really honestly it makes my heart sort of beat 
fast. It's really kind of terrifying, isn't it? Rescue stories. Or how about this rescue story? Praise report from Sally and I. Today we had a wonderful young couple over for lunch who were passing through St. Augustine. We met them on our summer trip to South Dakota, Jim and Amy, and exchanged contact information. We served them lunch on our back porch and had a great conversation which led to discussion on our faith. I gave them a Jesus sign and our good news, do you know, uh, your heaven, do you know you're going to heaven booklet? Amy said she wanted to know, and, and Jim wasn't sure, so we read through the booklet together, which affirmed Amy's faith, and Jim prayed the prayer of confession and faith listed in the booklet. He signed the booklet, wrote on the date, January 11th, 2022, as the day he put his faith in Jesus and now knows he's going to heaven. I don't have to tell you, but I will anyway, there was lots of laughter and celebration today. We discussed how to grow as a Christian, and we gave them a Bible to take with them, an assignment to read the Gospel of John, and to pray back to God what you read each day. We'll continue to keep up with them regularly, and Sally and I uh, are as happy as we can be, just praising and thanking God. That's a rescue story. That's a rescue story that we celebrate a person putting their trust in Christ and an evangelist, two evangelists who had the opportunity to share the greatest rescue story ever. Let me ask you a question. There's a few questions that have been going on in my heart this week as I've been studying this passage. The first is this. How vivid, how vivid is your awareness of Jesus Christ's rescue of you from your lost condition, the gift of eternal life. How vivid is it to you, the lengths to which Jesus Christ went to rescue you? Listen, how aware are you? How aware have you been this past week of, of your good, good heavenly Father? Are you aware of, of any way in the past week that your heavenly Father has been kind and good and gracious to you, that, that He's kept you from temptation and He's delivered you from evil? How aware are you of the lost condition of the people around you? And how willing are you to take the message of the gospel, the great rescue story of the Bible, to the lost people where you live and work and play. How aware are you of their lost condition? Does it break your heart? I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for myself, that as we walk through this passage this morning, and we explore the great rescue story of the Bible, I'm praying that the rescue work of Jesus for us would become more vivid. I'm praying that our awareness of our good, good Father would become more real to our hearts. 
And I'm praying that we would be moved with love and compassion for the lost people around us. And we would want to win them to Christ and to see them rescued by our great Savior, Jesus. Now turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. And I just want to read two verses that describe for us Jesus' great rescue work. Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What this passage teaches us, what we'll learn this morning, is that Jesus rescues us. That Jesus rescues us. Now, what does he rescue us from? We'll answer that. What does he rescue us from? And, and how does Jesus rescue us? We'll answer that. And what does Jesus rescue us for? We'll answer that. So what does Jesus rescue us from? Now, in the book of Colossians, there are a series of re-words. Rescue. Later in verse 14, it says we have redemption. In a few more verses, we're going to see that Jesus has provided reconciliation. And anytime you see a re-word in the Bible, you should ask yourself, what did we have? How did we lose it? How did Jesus get it back for us? How are we experiencing it now? And how will we experience it perfectly and permanently in the life to come? So Jesus rescues us. What does he rescue us from? Jesus rescues us from darkness. That there was a time when we had light, but we lost the light. And Jesus has come to rescue us from the darkness and bring us back into the light. And that Jesus now is enabling us by his Holy Spirit to walk in the light. But oh, one day, one day we'll have the perfect light restored forever on a new earth. And Jesus himself will be our light forever. Now, Jesus rescues us from the darkness. Darkness in the Bible is used repeatedly as a metaphor for for chaos, for evil, for sin, and for the judgment to come against us uh, because of our sin. Let's start at the very, very beginning when the darkness is first introduced. In Genesis 1, verses 1 through 4, we read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning, one day. So in the beginning, 
God looked at the formlessness and the voidedness of the world and into this creation that he had made from nothing. He spoke and he brought light into darkness, order into chaos. And God and all of his creation was good. And God and his creation had perfect fellowship until... Our first parents, Adam and Eve, turned their backs on God. And when they turned their backs on God, they brought darkness into the world through sin. And we now live with a darkness, a domain of darkness that's against us and around us, and it's in us. The domain of darkness, the power of darkness is against us. Martin Luther, in his great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, he says, The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. There is a power of darkness that is against God and his people, that hates God and his people. His name is the devil. You say, Dave, you don't believe in a devil. Yes, of course I believe in a devil because Jesus believed in a devil. And Jesus did battle against him and was victorious over him. And the Bible says that the devil is against God and his people. And one of the weapons at his disposal that he uses is to keep people locked in the dark. In whose case? 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We have an adversary. There is a power of darkness that's against us. And his, one of his chief weapons is to keep people in the dark about the promises of the gospel that are found in Jesus Christ. Not only is there a power that's against us, the power of darkness is around us. We live in a world that has been plunged into darkness. This is the judgment, Jesus said, that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. We live in the midst of the darkness. The world has been plunged into darkness and the deeds of men are evil. There's a, there's a power of darkness that's against us, it's around us, but the greatest danger to us is that this power, this domain of darkness is in us. It's in our hearts. Romans 1.21 says that even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. This is what Jesus Christ has saved us from. 
Oh, do you see the great peril that we have against us? That there is a domain of darkness against us. There's a domain of darkness around us. There's a domain of darkness within us. And it is impossible for us to rescue ourselves. If we're going to be rescued, Jesus Christ must do the rescuing. So how does he do it? How does he do it? Now, I want to read just... Listen, maybe you're not a Bible nerd, but I just want to read just a brief few sentences from the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. I promise this is going to help you. This is what it says. The word for rescue is the word ruomai. And here's what it says. Ruomai emphasizes the greatness of peril from which deliverance is given by a mighty act of power. In the New Testament, Ruomai is always associated with God as the deliverer and with a person as the object of his deliverance. Okay, just a little bit more nerdiness. Okay, you ready? Deliverance is in the aorist tense. That means it's a past completed act. And the middle voice, which conveys the great truth that God, listen, this is the most important part. God initiated the rescue operation and participated in the carrying out of the operation. God did the rescuing and God participated in the rescue. How can that be possible? Because God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, we read this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. God has rescued us himself. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, comes as our rescuer to shine the light of the glory of God into this dark world. But him coming into the world wasn't enough to save us. Being fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ was the only one who could do the one thing that we really needed to be delivered from darkness. And that was this. That at the end of his life, Jesus Christ went to the cross. And on the cross, he was completely snuffed out. Jesus Christ, for our salvation, was completely plunged into the darkness. The Gospel of Luke records that from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, Eyewitnesses to the crucifixion of Christ said that it got so dark, it was as if the sun 
had stopped shining. And for Jesus, it did. For on the cross, Jesus Christ cried out in prayer to his Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For our salvation, Jesus rescued us by plunging himself all the way down to the bottom of the darkness of our lostness. Deeper than any well, deeper than any cave, deeper than any mine, Jesus plunged himself into the depths of God's wrath and was forsaken in our place for us. He himself bore our penalty for sin. And on the cross, he paid the penalty in full. How do we know that the penalty has been paid in full? How do we know it's been accepted by the Father? Because Jesus Christ couldn't stay dead. But on the third day, he rose. And this is how the Bible describes his resurrection. Tell me if you hear any reference to the light. Now, Jesus Christ has been revealed by the appearing the grace of God has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus rescues us. He plunges himself into darkness and he's raised again to show that the penalty has been paid in full and now he invites us to trust in the light of the gospel. He says, oh, dear people, do not trust in yourselves because there is a judgment coming. And the judgment that's coming is this. Many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom, referring to those who are currently rejecting the truth of the gospel, will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Many, many people believe that in this room and watching online, there are two groups of people, good people and bad people. And that's not true. Our world wants to divide us into all different groups of people, the rich and the poor, east and west. But you need to know there's only two groups of people that matter, rescued people and unrescued people. Which are you? Are you amongst those for whom Christ plunged himself into darkness and you're trusting in his work on your behalf? Or are you amongst those who continue to hope in their own good works who continue to push against the light of the gospel, whose minds and hearts are darkened by sin, and who say, God, I'd rather do life without you. At the end, he'll let you. He'll allow you to go into darkness. But now, in the day of salvation, he says, come into the light. 
Come into the light. Put your trust in Jesus. Look to the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Jesus saves us. He offers us eternal life. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Come into the light. How does Jesus rescue us? Jesus rescues us through his life, his death, his resurrection. What does he rescue us for? Jesus rescues us to be transferred into the kingdom. Jesus rescues us so that we could be members of the kingdom of the Son of God, beloved. You know what that means? It means that if you're in the kingdom, if you've been transferred, you're either outside the kingdom or inside the kingdom. And if you're inside the kingdom through faith in Christ, it means this. In the kingdom, you are beloved of God through Jesus. That means that there is nothing you have ever done that can cause God to love you less. Because of Jesus. And there is nothing you can do that would cause God to love you more because of Jesus. So are you outside the kingdom or inside the kingdom? Inside the kingdom is love through Jesus for you in the gospel. He has saved you to be members together of the kingdom of love. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. And there's nothing you have done, can do, that would make you, him love you more. Do you believe that? If you're starting to believe it, then you're living in the kingdom of the beloved son, Jesus. You're walking in the light. Now, how does this get into our life? How does this get into our life this week? Now, what I want for you and what I want for me this week is that we would enjoy Jesus, that we would enjoy Jesus this week. We would live as citizens of the kingdom of the beloved son, Jesus Christ. Now, why do I say enjoy Jesus? Because of our enemy, the dark power that comes against us, and because of the world, the, the darkness around us, and because of the, our own sin, the darkness within us, our emotions, our, our affections are all disordered. They're all out of whack. And the gospel comes in, and in order for us to live as children of the light, in order for us to walk in the light, we have to have our affections, the loves of our life, reordered around Jesus. We have to learn to enjoy Jesus because it's only in enjoying Jesus that our affections are put back into their proper order. And when our affections are reordered around Jesus we begin 
to love Jesus more and love the darkness less. The more we enjoy Jesus, the less attractive the darkness around us will be. When we enjoy Jesus as our greatest good and our heart's greatest love, then we won't toenail our heart to enter any lesser good, any lesser enjoyment. The more we enjoy Jesus, the more we'll join with others in shining the light of the glory of the gospel. They say that a candle in the dark can be seen from 1.6 miles away. A single candle. You buy that? I buy it. I mean, they said it on the internet. It must be true. 1.6 miles away. Now imagine many candles joined together. How bright could we shine if we chose by God's grace, to shine together. How much more, how much exponentially more would our lumens shine if we didn't shine individually, but we shone together? We shine brighter together. So don't shine alone. Make this be the year when you step into life in biblical community. You stay involved in worship and you get involved in a small group. And you continue to have the gospel turn up the lumens in your life. And then you join your light with the light of others. How bright could we be if we shone together? And the more you, want, the more you grow in your awareness of the light of the gospel, the more you'll want to share him with others. There's, a, there's an old hymn that came to mind this week as I was studying this passage. It's set my soul afire. Maybe you remember this. Set my soul afire, Lord, for thy holy word. Burn it deep within me. Let thy voice be heard. Millions grope in darkness. In this day and hour, I will be a witness. Fill me with thy power. Set my soul afire, Lord, for the lost in sin. Give to me a passion as I seek to win. Help me not to falter. Never let me fail. Fill me with thy spirit. Let thy will prevail. Oh, set my soul afire, Lord, in my daily life. Far too long I've wandered in this day of strife. Nothing else will matter but to live for thee. I will be a witness for Christ lives in me. Set my soul afire, Lord. Set my soul afire. Make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. Oh, that that would be our prayer. That, oh, Father, set our souls afire with the gospel. Set our souls afire with the, with the love of Jesus Christ for us. 
And when our hearts are set aflame by the love of God for us in Jesus, we won't be able to help ourselves but share him with others. How do we get there? 2 Corinthians 4, 6. I've started quoting it several times. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. How do we get there? By gazing upon the glory of Jesus. By looking full in his wonderful face. How do we get there? By gazing at Jesus. Albert Einstein, smart guy, Albert Einstein said once, I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. No one can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. Are our hearts captured by the luminous figure of the Nazarene? Oh, jump into the Gospels. Take your Bible and read the life of Jesus and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. We're reading it together as we begin this year in the book of Matthew. And we seek to read through the whole New Testament together this year. Jump in. Jump in this week. Grab a study. Not to just read, but to be captured by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. To be blown away at Jesus Christ. Let him shine in your heart to give you a knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray. Jesus, fill us, help us, set our hearts afire, Lord. Let the light of the glory of the gospel, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, shine in our hearts. Lord, I pray that your great rescue work, your great rescue work would capture our hearts, that we would see the lengths to which you went to seek us and to save us. If you're here this morning and, and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, he's offered to you in the gospel the good news won't you trust him? Won't you believe in him? Won't you say to him, Jesus, I admit that I've sinned against you in many ways and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that you lived and died and rose again for me. Come into my life as Savior and Lord and help me become the person you want me to be. Jesus, would you by your Holy Spirit help us all of us here 
to have a more vivid picture of, of what you have done to rescue us from the darkness. Holy Spirit, you turn the flame up in our hearts. Would you set our hearts afire, Lord? Would you help our hearts be captured by the love that we've now experienced through Jesus? Help us to enjoy you this week. For I pray in Jesus' name.